Let's pray, and I'd like to share with you a message entitled Year One. Lord, thank you for this gathering and for my friends. What a joyous occasion once again to be together. And I pray that as we fellowship together, converse together, study together, eat together, drink together, laugh together, may your spirit just continually fill us in this room. I pray that our church, that spark, continues to be a safe shalom in the midst of chaos and darkness. And I pray that all who come or who listen to these messages receive from you once again the touch of your spirit, the presence of your peace, and may you bring that comfort. May we live into this world experiencing the fullness of your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's begin with a couple passages, one from Genesis and one from Ecclesiastes. Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening And there was morning the fourth day. And then from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate a time for war, and a time for peace. We have come to the year 2016. How many of you just simply can't believe it? You're in awe, and here we go again. The clock rolls over, the calendar flips once again, and we have ourselves another year. Throughout history, a variety of individuals, groups, societies and communities have governed their calendars by a variety of different means. I'd like to share with you a story. It's a mythical story about the founding of Rome. The gentleman's name is Romulus, that some scholars now believe is not actually a real person, but might be a name to describe Mr. Rome. The story goes at the very beginnings, a long time ago, that Romulus declares the city of Rome to be an asylum. As a result of this, 
criminals and crooks, or maybe those who have just been unjustly charged, find their way to Rome in droves to help populate the city. And part of his strategy to build up Rome to become the city that it was to be is to now gain new citizenry, now gain new people to be a part of the community. Well, there's a problem that Romulus ran into. You now have all of these gentlemen, but how are you going to continue to perpetuate and populate this great new city that you have just now founded? Well, you need the other species, other gender, whatever you want to call it. So Romulus devised this plan. He holds a festival of Neptune Equester. And at this festival, he invites all of the women, all of the families from the surrounding cities to come and join in this great festival. And at a particular point in this festival, he gives a signal to all of the men of Rome to go out and snatch up all of the virgins from all those cities and take them home as their wives. One of those cities was the name Senina. The leaders of this particular city, as you can imagine, are not really hip with this plan, and thus ensues the first war. And they attack, Romulus defends, attacks back, and ultimately defeats the people of Senina, thus winning his very first victory in the establishment of Rome on what is known as the 1st of March, 752 BC, according to our calendar. You can see this event at the very founding and beginning of Rome, depicted in all sorts of different art. Uh, sorry about the screen there, but you can see Romulus victorious over Senina. Uh, and here is the depiction, one artist's depiction of this great epic battle. Several years later, about a 200 years later, after Rome and the Roman Empire had been largely established, they began telling stories about the beginning of this Roman Empire. How did we get to where we are? And on a marble stone in the center of the city, one historian, anonymous, writes this. Romulus, the king, son of Mars, year one, on the 1st of March, for a victory over the people of Senina, which commemorates the event of this war between Romulus and the people of Senina, but notice how he commemorates it. He commemorates it by starting an entirely new calendar, saying that was year one. And because it happened in the month of March, March now becomes month one of year one. So we might call it 752 BC, but that's according to our calendar. Back in ancient Rome, this would have been year one, and then consecutive years from there would have been counted. So much so has this been established in history that our dating system, our calendar system that we have inherited from this Latin system, September, October, November, December, matches up perfectly with March being the first month and September being month seven, October being month eighth, November being month 9, and December being month 10. This is how one of the mythic stories is told about the beginning of Rome. Codified in marble stone, told and perpetuated throughout the Republic, and people tell this story that this is our founding story. This is how we came to be. 
This is the event that started the calendar over. Several hundred years later, the Roman Empire takes over what is known as the known universe at that particular time, surrounding the Mediterranean Sea, as one historian uh, says, like frogs surrounding a pond, taking over everything. And Israel is one of those. You can imagine that the populaces of these particular areas are not so happy about this. You can imagine if a foreign empire or a foreign governing people would, would come into your home, into your place, and take over your uh, land and your, your residence. This is not going to sit well with you. And the people of Israel had the same response and reaction. There were two specific wars of uprisings against Rome. Now, these are, this is all surrounded in the story of Jesus. These Uh, Stories that I'm telling you have impact and influence through the biblical narrative that is studied throughout history. There was one particular war uh, that happened at the very beginning in 66 AD, again, according to our calendar, and another one that happened in 132 to 133. The Roman general right here in 66 was a guy by the name of Joseph Ben Matthew who rises up and fights against Rome and is in many ways victorious for a season. And then later on in 132, 133, another Jewish uprising comes up and says, we have to throw off Rome. And again, throwing off Rome and overcoming the Roman Empire is all part of the Jesus narrative. I mean, the Jesus story comes right in the midst of all of this fighting and war and and tumult. At these particular dates, they mint coins, Jewish coins, to commemorate the battles and the victories over the Roman Empire to celebrate that we have actually restored Israel to the state of Israel, of what it, want, of what it should have been, with the, the kind of nation that we wanted to have, the establishment of our country. And minted on these coins, they write, year one of the redemption of Israel. And so we have, once again, codified on a coin an event that happens that informs a group of people for how they think about themselves and how they think about their community, how they think about their identity, and they start the calendar over. They would have, at this time, been under the influence of the Roman calendar that we just talked about, but now, as a result of their fighting and uprising and wanting to overthrow Rome, they say, no. We're no longer living by your calendar. We're now living by our calendar. Year one of the redemption of Israel. Communities and individuals throughout history and even to this day mark identity, culture, values, ethics, behaviors by our calendars. By what happens at the very beginning of how we start to count time. The Jewish calendar, some of you know and are familiar with, after all, we are meeting in a synagogue, on every document they put the date, the year of the Gregorian calendar that we're all living under, but they also put the date of the Jewish calendar, which is, this year is the year 5776. And they count their calendar by the beginning of creation. So if you count in the biblical narrative all the way back and do the chronologies and do the datings, this is the number that they come up with. Now, just a caveat that even Jewish scholars recognize that scientifically the world is not that old, but this is the 
ritual, the spiritual calendar by which they use and by which they count. And again, this is to help identify the people by the creation event. It was God creating this world, this beautiful world. That is the marker. That is the story that we're telling to inform us of who we are and how we are to live. So much so that one of the central ethics in the Jewish community, one that the Christian community has also taken on, is to repair the world, to put the world back together, to recreate the world in the way God originally intended. And some of that comes from how we date our calendar. Fascinatingly enough, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. This is their official website. This is from today. I made sure it was updated. Does the exact same thing. If you scroll down to the bottom of the page and take a look at what is the date, what is this year? It is year 100 because the Democratic People's Republic of Korea has reinstituted a brand new calendar starting from the birth date of Kim Il-sung. That ought to tell you something. Communities and individuals and people find identity, culture, inspiration, who you are, how you live by this calendar. And depending upon how important or how significant the events are that you are dating this calendar by, will also determine how influential that story is. Romulus overseeing Senina. War, battle, conquest. Does that sound like something that you've read about how Rome was to institute their existence? The Jewish uprisings of 132, 133, and 66. The creation of the world in 5776 five, years ago. Sometime a couple hundred years later, a gentleman by the name of Dionysius Exegius, the humble, around the 6th century AD, instituted a brand new calendar, one that was to eventually become the calendar that we have inherited. His main invention was the idea that we are now to actually split time into two halves, surrounded by the event one event, the event that we just celebrated. And according to his calculations, and according to his thinking, and according to his worldview, the beliefs, the ethics, the things that were driving him to think about this calendar, what is the thing, what is the event that is the most significant thing in history by which we will then inform all other events? It has to be the birth of this baby. Because at that particular mo moment, at that particular time, the entire universe changed. Something shifted. History was never to be the same again. And so he instituted a whole new dating system, a whole new calendar system. B.C., before the Messiah, and A.D., Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. Uh, unfortunately, he got the date wrong, so... Sorry for those of you who are really wanting this to be exact. We know now from history that his calculations were a little off. So Jesus was most likely born somewhere between 4 and 6 BC, which means that 2016 is either 2020 or 2022. So you can write that on your checks if you'd like. <laughs> why do I tell you all this? What's, why is this important? 
I'd like to ask you this question as we come to a new year and to share with you maybe some reflections and a challenge for each and every one of us, including myself. Is it really 2,016 years, quote, in the year of our Lord? In other words, just like Rome, just like the Jewish revolters, just like the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, the time frame that we have now, the turning over of the clock, the flipping of another calendar year, do we see this year, this time frame, as marked by that event 2,016 years ago? This is the question I'd like for us to pose, and this is the question I'd like for us to wrestle with. For some of us, 2016 is only 16 years after the Y2K bug. For some of us, 2016 is just barely a month after the release of Star Wars. <laughs> yes, the epic just continues. But I would also like to suggest that 2016, or whatever month happens to come in 2016, is also going to be the marker of other things. Robert and I were just talking about his birthday. And this is going to, what were you saying, Robert? Oh, so I'm calling you out in the middle. I'm sorry, I should never do that without your permission. Somebody in our congregation (laughs) was celebrating a birthday and was talking about how this is going to be the year of this significant birthday. And many of us will argue or many of us will find our identities by the markings of that time. And even though it's 2016, in many ways, what we have done, maybe subconsciously, not necessarily intentionally, we have actually called this not the year 2016, but this is the year 30. Because the event that happened 30 years ago was so significant to our lives that we can't see or we can't process or we can't live forward into anything else outside of the influence of that event. We know this to be true because people who are in mourning, and we know that we have people in our congregation who are still in mourning. This isn't the year 2016. This is the third year after I had this loss. You're not marking this year in the year of our Lord. This is actually a marking of this time. This event that happened in my life was so significant. This is now the third year. This is now the seventh year since this loss. People who have been in recovery or who have been addicted know this really, really well because every single year is deeply significant. It has been seven years since I've been sober. Uh, I have a couple friends who have had other issues and other addictions and other vices, and they will say every single year on that date, it's been 12 years since. Why? Because that moment of being freed from that addiction or that moment of being freed from that vice was so significant that it marks the beginning of a whole new calendar for you. And for some of us, unfortunately, the event that happened at church, and I like to bring that up because I know that even in religious circles or uh, for those of us who've grown up in church, there was something that happened. There was an event that happened. There was some sort of news that happened. And it has been X number of years since that particular time. And the way in which we even think about church and the way we think about community and the way we think about spiritual communities is marked by that event. And for some reason, moving forward or moving into a whole new era, a whole new season is difficult or challenging or at the very least is colored by that event. It's not the year 2016. It's the seventh year since whatever that thing has happened. 
It's not the year 2016. It's the 10th year since that thing has happened. All of us have a tendency, subconsciously, not necessarily intentionally, to mark our frames of reference by events, significant events, tragedies, losses, celebrations. And we do this because it provides for us some sort of sense of where we're going and who we are, like all of those previous stories. Here's just a smattering of things that I've considered how this informs who we are. For those, who, for those of us who have uh, recovered from addictions, this is now our new identity. Marking that date informs who we are. Marking that date informs our ethics, how we are to live, what kind of behavior we're going to live into this world. For Rome, this marking of Romulus beating another city, destroying another city, started to form within the mindset and the ethos and the thinking of the Roman people that conquest and power and overthrow was going to be the way in which we lived into this world. The markings of those events actually tell us a little bit of what we believe about ourselves, how we see ourselves, how we think about our identities, and how we think about our worldview. Those events sometimes can mark our passions and our hopes and our dreams. If you've ever been fired or laid off or had some sort of loss or some sort of thing ripped from you in that particular sense, that can formulate a sense of veneer over how you think about, well, what am I really doing? Where am I really going? What kind of life am I really leading? Somebody said something to you, whether it's elementary or junior high or high school, or maybe even at work, or somebody said something to you, and at that particular moment, you started to question your identity, your self-worth, all of these things. Every single one of us have a tendency to do this. And each and every one of these events in our calendar mark for us a point through which we begin to see everything. I think this passage from Ecclesiastes that we read is a helpful framework for understanding what's going on with that phenomena that all of us do, and maybe an encouragement for us for what kind of thinking we should take on ourselves at the turn of a new year. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Now, the word for time here is the word et. Everybody say et. It's a Hebrew word that simply means there's a moment, there's a season, there's a thing, an event that happens. And this word for season is the word zaman. Everybody say zaman. Now, these two words start at the very beginning of Ecclesiastes and set the framework for a time to die and a time to live, a time for war, a time for peace, etc. And these are the general definitions, and you can see how they're used throughout the rest of the Hebrew Bible to kind of get a sense for what do these words mean. And the best thing that I can come up with is that they are synonymous. They do kind of mean the same thing, time, season, moment, uh, etc., etc., the difference is that it, the one on the left, is much more an event, a thing that happens within this scope of time. That could be the death of a loved one. That could be the loss of a job. That could be the moment of a breakup. That could be the moment of marriage. That could be the moment of birth. It, it, whatever that is, there is a time for that thing to happen. 
But this word zaman may connote, may have a meaning. But there's a way in which we see all of these events. There's a season through which we filter all of these little events that happen. There's a way, a filter, by which, you know, that's what happened. But the, what that thing that happened in this temporal space and time is actually informed by whatever this season is. For the Roman Empire, for example, it would be, well, we might have had a loss of a battle, but that's just a thing that happened. The overarching story is that we are victorious. And so whatever happens within that time, it's still informed by the overarching season, the appointed time that we have. And what's so frustrating sometimes about translations is this. This is not how it's constructed in the scriptures. This is the NIV translation. And for those of you who do have an NIV translation, I'm going to give you full permission to cross this out and circle it and say this is wrong. Why? Because what happens in this translation later is you know how it goes. There is a time for this, a time for that, a time for this, a time for that, a time for this, using this word. But that's not the word that's used in the Hebrew scriptures. It's actually reversed. And the phraseology goes like this. There is a way to see everything that happens in your life. There is a framework by which you mark your calendar year. There is an appointed season that understands, that helps you give understanding to all of these things, to all of these things that are happening in your life. There is a season, an appointed time for everything And then there's a time for every activity under that thing. Which means that every single one of these things that are listed now are to be marked not by the calendaring moment by which you inform everything that moves forward. It is marked only by that event. Because this, this your life, how you see yourself, how you see the worldview, should not be marked by, I was born. And that is the marking moment. Or death. That is the marking moment from which I view everything. Or planting, or uprooting, or killing, or healing. Those are things that happen within our lives. There's a time for all of those things. And those things happen. But they are not, to go back, they are not the season for all of it. There's a way to see everything. All of it. My best analogy, given the calendaring that I've talked about, what is that year one? What is that moment that informs all of the consecutive events that are coming down the pike? What is the thing, the worldview, by which we govern how we see ourselves, our ethics, our passions, our hopes, and our dreams, that will govern what happens on January 4th of 2016? What is that That's what that season is. There is a season, a way of seeing everything. And all of these things, all of this other stuff, are just moments within. And what I find that we all do is we take these things and we turn those things into the governing item that overshadows everything else that we do. And we can't see a future, we can't see a hope, we can't see a passion, we can't see anything forward outside of that governing event. 
This is my question for you. What is that event? What is that moment in time that you have codified as your year one? What is the thing that you have said, this thing that has happened to me was so eventful, so powerful, so influential, whatever it is, that I have been living my entire life since that time. It's not the year 2016. It's the year seven from that time. It's the year eight from that time. It's the year 12 from that time. It's the year 40 from that moment of whatever that thing happened. What is that? And then I'll ask you this question. What season, zaman in the Hebrew, are you actually living in? How are you governing your future the next days? How are you seeing that future? And the answer to this question will make a world of difference to each and every one of us. If we go back through all the calendars, there's been a variety of them that have floated throughout history, the Roman calendar, the Jewish calendar, and now we are all living under the Gregorian calendar instituted by Dionysus. And what I would suggest to you is the reason why we see 2016 and we kind of roll our eyes and like, oh my goodness, it's another year that's passed, is because we may have forgotten that our calendaring system that governs what we do and how we live has been governed and is informed by one event. Not the thing that has happened most recently, five years ago, ten years ago, seven years ago, whatever it is. Your life, our lives, our calendar is governed by one event, and that event is something we just celebrated. That this world is a different place as a result of the coming of the Lord and the King of this universe in flesh and bones. And there's all sorts of, I mean, we're going to, Throughout the rest of our existence, we're going to be spending our time trying to figure out and discern and learn more about who this Jesus is. He's the central figure for our community, trying to figure out what does it mean to follow him, what does it mean to be a disciple. But one of the things that we see over and over and over again, which is very tied to the Jewish calendaring system, is that this thing that happened in this child, in this baby that was conceived at that moment, at year one, was a recreation of this world. Death no longer was the most powerful way through which we saw. Power is no longer the most influential way by which we view our world and how we live. Conquest, all of that stuff is not the most powerful way. What was? Love. Incarnation. Hope. Peace. Shalom. And ultimately, a recreation of this world taking all the beautiful power of that creation event from Genesis and putting it all into the person of Jesus, into the here and now. And so when we talk about year one, when we talk about 2016, when we talk about how do we think about our lives, we must, we ought remind ourselves that this is 2016 years after this huge event that has happened. And whatever events that have happened from that time, there's a time for those things. Absolutely, there's a time. But it's not the season. The season that we're in is a season of recreation, of incarnation, of love, of God's kingdom. This is the season that we are in. And so my encouragement for us is to think about a new year and to think about the rolling over of New Year's in new ways. And to consider deeply, what are the calendars that we've been subconsciously living by? 
lives that have been governing, what are the events in our lives that have governed in many ways the kind of life that we have been living? It wasn't the event of the Christ child coming and the God becoming incarnate. It was something else that has been governing our lives. And maybe if we take that moment, whatever that event is, and give it its time, but then frame it in the context of God has been at work and there's a new creation and a recreation that's happening that might inform and change and transform how we live into our future. And our futures do not have to be governed anymore by the losses, by the insecurities, by those detrimental moments that we have all had. And I can imagine for many of us moving into a new world or a new career or a new hope or a new dream or a new endeavor, one of the most difficult things is to take a past event deal with it, let it be there, and move forward and say, but we can do something different. We can become something better. We can recreate a whole new sense of self. For relationships, it looks like, well, our relationship right now is so governed by this thing that has happened, it's really hard to see anything that you do or anything that we do, anything that we do consecutively out of that moment. This is year one. that thing does not have to govern how we move forward. A couple quotes that I think are apropos. In the business world, Gary Hamill has written a book entitled The Future of Management, and this is one of my favorite quotes. The future is not a recapitulation of the past. And so often we get so caught up in all the things that have happened in the past, that event that happened becomes the season in which we live, that it's hard for us to even move forward into the future. And this in my mind, is deeply connected with the 2 Corinthians 5.17 passage. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's what we are in this moment, in this time. Not from the past, not from that thing, but moving forward into the future. The old has gone, the new has come. Dan Gilbert, who's a psychologist, gave this TED Talk a while ago, and he has this quote that I think is also appropriate. Most of us can remember who we were 10 years ago. There's the year 10. But we find it hard to imagine who we're going to be, and then we mistakenly think that because it's hard to imagine, it's not likely to happen. Sorry when people say, I can't imagine that. They're usually talking about their own lack of imagination. In other words, what he's captivating is the idea that that whatever happened 10 years ago, that's what informs everything. And we can't see past that event. But what we might be missing is that there's a greater season. There's a greater appointed time. There's a greater overarching. And I love this passage. No one can see, I'm telling you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. You must be born again to see yourself and this world and this year afresh and anew. Later on in the Gospel of John, Jesus is having this conversation with a woman at a well, and he makes this comment. Yet a time is coming and has now come, which doesn't make any sense. It's coming and it's here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. A time is coming and has now come. Right here, right now. Because our 2016 marks an event in which this entire universe was recreated by the coming of God 
in the flesh, this moment right here, right now, can be another year one. A marking of something new that is coming. Um, an event, a decision, a hope, a dream, a passion, a future of what it is that you desire. A new expectation for what's coming down the pike. This can be year one. So in the midst of all those calendars, and the midst of a new year, in the midst of all decisions that you have to make, and all maybe the uncertainties of what is to come, uh, maybe all the hopes, but maybe some of the anxieties that this year, my encouragement is for you to commemorate this year. This year. As year one. The starting of something new. Because you are a new creation. Because 2016 marks an event that happened that causes us to see this world not as it always has been, but as something new every single day, every moment, something being renewed, recreated all over again. You do not have to mark your calendar, your life, your future, your identity, your hopes, your ethics, your dreams by whatever that thing that happened however many years ago. It does not have to be that way. You can mark it by 2016 years ago, 2020 years ago, and you can mark it by this date right here, right now, as year one. So friends, commemorate this year and commemorate this year as year one. The beginning of something new, the hope of something that is to come. And don't mark your life by all of whatever was in the past. Celebrate it, commemorate it, honor it, whatever you need to do. But don't mark your entire life by it. That has been done by a season of recreation since the beginning of the world, since the birth of Jesus, to this day, and moving forward. Father God, thank you for the movements and the redemption that happens in time moving forward. Help us to embrace your redemption, the newness of your year, even now, even in this place. And God, I just want to pray for my friends who may still be struggling with seeing their world through the events of five years ago, three years ago, one year ago, ten years ago, whatever they are holding on to as the defining moment. God, I pray that you would just wrap your loving arms around them and that season and that time and that you would give them a sense of peace, wholeness, restoration, rescue, closure, and provide for them a whole new framework that this world and their lives, their identities can be recreated afresh and anew. If we are in you, we become new creations over and over and over again. So thank you for that hope and thank you for that grace. And may we follow you into our future in that way. And we pray in your name. Amen.